this is David Yaz of the Boston Podcast Network. We hope you are staying safe, sound, and sane as this year continues to drag on, and we do all that we have to do to get through this pandemic. Well, how about this? If you want to be on a Zoom call that isn't dreadfully boring, please join us for Zoomapalooza, an interactive adventure of fun, games, comedy, and who knows what else. Tickets are absolutely free, or hire us for your next office or corporate event. Just visit pod617.com slash Zoom. That's pod617.com slash Zoom. Now enjoy the following production of pod617.com, the Boston Podcast Network. Pod 617 Studios in Westwood, Massachusetts. It's the Boston Podcast with David Yaz and a rotating cast of characters from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. This is our city. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, all the ships at sea, lovers, muggers, and thieves, welcome to the Boston Podcast. My name is Dave, as the announcer guy already told you. If you like this podcast, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. You guys know, if you listen to the show, I talk a lot about autism because the most awesome guy in the world, my son Adrian, has autism. He's 22, and he's always going to need some help, but he's a super happy guy. From the world of special needs, I like to welcome people to the show and raise a little bit of awareness and do a little bit of good. And that's what we're going to do today. So (laughs) I have on the line the president of Bailey's Team for Autism. It's Sammy Robertson. She's here in the virtual studio. Good morning. How was that for fanfare? That was great. Is that all right? Okay. I love that. All right. How have you been? How, How have you survived the pandemic? Well, personally, we're doing okay. My family is doing okay. Like you, I have a fabulous, and I love how you introduce your son. Mm-hmm. I have a fabulous puzzle piece of my own, if you will. His name is Bailey, and he is the namesake for or the inspiration for our organization. And um, he's been in his glory during this pandemic in his basement man cave on the computer, not <laughs> needing to see a lot of people. Isn't that how we define autism? Yes. And my 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 son's very much the same. He's he's always got either iPad, computer, or phone, and just doing what he does. And it's funny because I'll 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 take him out to play tennis, and he'll hit for a couple minutes, and then he'll want to sit down and just be on his phone and let me play tennis with uh, my other son. So, but babe, whatever makes them happy, right? I mean, did did Bailey have any trouble with the the change in schedule? Was there any kind of that that business? I think it was just all free time for him and yeah. free time dictated again by all of the technology and all of the components that you mentioned, iPad, phone, computer, and oftentimes all three. That's what kept him happy. That is his wheelhouse. So relative to getting back to school, that's another story. Mm. Yeah. My son now has graduated from the world of education. Right. So he's in a program and he goes and he, he works and he's been, he's been doing it for a few months now, you know, they, they put the masks on him and he can go out and he can work at Costco or whatever with some help. But but let's let's talk about the Bailey's team. So tell us how long you've been doing this and we know who the inspiration was, but tell us a little bit more about how this got started and what your mission's like. All right. Well, that's a pretty easy and I'll try to keep it to a brief story. But um, like you, we went through the diagnostic process. Bailey was very young. He wasn't two years old. And um, 18 some odd years ago, 19 years ago, that was very young at the time to be 
on top of things. Not that my husband and I are any world geniuses, but thankfully we figured out pretty early about Bailey's diagnosis. It just so happened that we stumbled upon a brochure for a walkathon, which was going to support people with autism and their families through research. And we jumped right in. And Bailey's team is really named after a walkathon team. That's mm -hmm. how we started. But the diagnostic part was another whole story. I mean, we basically handed the doctor the diagnosis by saying, he's so smart. He lines things up and he knows how to put things in order. And he doesn't talk a lot, but he seems to really know what he wants. And yeah. um, he's pretty stubborn. <laughs> yeah. That's why, that's why it's, and sorry to interrupt you, but it's, yeah. it's, it's both, well, it's consistent with the, the experience we had with my son and mm -hmm. it's, it's sort of cruel the way, and, and this, this is the reason why people look for some magical solution to autism, like the vaccine thing, which, which listeners, if you haven't heard me say it already, the vaccine thing is nonsense. It has nothing to do with causing autism. Please, I, am, I agree with you. Yeah. I agree with you. It's nice yeah. to hear you say that. Oh, yes. Please, people, don't listen to Jenny. Why are you listening to Jenny McCarthy or any of these other? Oh, my other God, now I love you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, it, it's, and it's really harmful because some resources and time is, is directed in that direction. And, and if you look at the real facts, you can look it up, Google all you want, you'll find out that the, the only report that linked vaccines to autism was one that was fraudulent. It was it was a, a hoax of sorts. I won't I won't go into the whole thing. That's right. not why. But but that's the, a show for another day. That's a show for another day, right? But the reason why the, I think that that you point fingers at things like that is because it it appears that the the child is normal and it appears the child is smart. And what you said about Bailey is is exactly what Adrian used to sit in front of the fridge and with all the the plastic magnet letters, right? And he used to call them out like way early for his age. And we're like, he's a genius. And, and yeah. we didn't realize he was doing like the same letters over and over again because he loved that pattern, which is typical of uh, an autistic kid. So yeah, they're smart. They're, they have, we know this, they have an intelligence. It's just, it's just unlocking. It's uh, a, a challenge to unlock it. And, and that's why it, it appears that, that although he's smart, they, they, they appear to sort of slip away at some point. And that's why the vaccine thing came up. It's like, well, it must be something around that age where they slip away, but they're not actually slipping away. They just, they just don't develop socially. Anyway, right. so your the thing is, If I can jump in here, Please the thing don't. for me is I think a lot of the vaccine controversy, and then we can put this to bed. I think it really comes from a family or the parents' desperate need to have a culprit. And I think that, like you said, that's at an, a time when things start to surface or start start to appear almost as deficits, which I'll get to a little later. But as far as diagnosis nowadays is very common at age three and even younger to some people at 18 months even. And, and obviously often diagnoses are, are identified as a result of what people are not doing. And But it's interesting because if you take that a step further, there are almost two types of autism diagnoses. Some kids don't ever really appear to be developing, as we say, neurotypically, and other kids do develop typically and then regress at a certain age. And I think often that's the community that wants to blame a thing that happened to them. And quite frankly, although I am completely of the same opinion of you and very anti-Jenny McCarthy, yeah. I will say I personally would not tell a mom 
who believes something about her kid that she's wrong mm-hmm. just because it's not my place to do that or a dad. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. That. Yep. But it's still, I'm still of a different opinion. So yeah. it's, it's a very touchy subject again for another show, but, but so Bailey was diagnosed early. It's interesting. We got involved with an organization that um, in name no longer exists called the National Alliance for Autism Research, which I believe you and I did once meet in another world, or I at least knew your name. The walk, the walk, the walkathon. You mentioned the walkathon. It where far Bailey's, from our. Yeah, we we had paraden for Adrian. Parading. Oh, you did. Yeah, which almost rhymes. But we had. I love that. Yeah, we I had it. We had T-shirts. We had a huge team that day. It, for all we know, it might have even been the same walkathon. But that was. It had to be. It was Yeah, it was. It, but it might have even been the same year. I'm saying, but who knows? But anyway, it was. It was. That was a big event. It was fun. A lot of great spirit in that event. It was the first time I think a lot of us knew there were other people out there, and that many. And um, they used to refer to that event as a big hug because, yep. like you didn't have your own community other than that one. Um, It had to have been the same year because my son is 21 and yours is 22. So I'm guessing it was around the same year. Um, We then, myself and family, we actually brought that event from Artisani Park to Providence. And there were three others that were introduced the year 2003, one in New Hampshire, one in Western Mass, one in Providence. And I took the one in Providence. So I started my career, so to speak, in the autism world doing that and trans- transitioning as I live in North Attleboro, close to, closer to Rhode Island. We formed a team, like I said, and from that, we were raising personally so much money that it became, we had a responsibility to do a little more than hand it all to one place. And that was sort of what drove us to form our own 501c3. But more importantly, when NAR became part of what people now know as Autism Speaks, it really changed the culture and the process of disseminating information, supporting grassroots ideas. And we weren't comfortable in that space anymore. So we started our own company, our own organization. So by the way, it's baileysteam.org. Easy, yes. easy to remember. Or if you prefer baileysteam.org. It sort of it looks, looks like, like that. I always <laughs> say that. Anyway. And, and just looking at your website, that there's many ways that folks can support you. The obvious one is to donate to the, your your 501 C3. Events, you've done a lot of events in the past, and now events have been kind of put on hold, to say the least, <laughs> during this year. What have you, how have you, how have you managed that? It is killing us. Yeah. So, la- so our events have always consisted of, in recent years, we would have had our 10th run last year, we ended up doing sort of a, I want to say a half-assed virtual event yeah. at a last minute because that was March or the 1st of April, actually. We've had, our fundraisers have been a run, a golf tournament, and a wine tasting. And then we also have a family event at Roger Williams Park Zoo and in recent years, a Franklin Park Zoo. And that's something that we don't make money on. We fund it and ask for a very little contribution from the families just to make sure they show up. Mm. Um And then we also have hosted education programs, which is important that we offer an education series for free to both family members and educators and the like, just to provide opportunities for people to learn more about autism and and like disabilities. We, it has been the most rewarding experience on average. I don't know, we've raised upwards each year of 70 to $100,000 and we give away over 90% of that. The only thing that gets paid for are printing, our website monthly fee. Nobody gets paid. We have a volunteer board. I'm sort of president slash 
executive director, but again, nobody gets paid. It's 100% volunteer and mm -hmm. it just feels good. It really does. Well, good on you. It's the, the event world obviously has been turned upside down. And so yes. I, I give you credit for just kind of keeping the momentum going. We've, I've, I've hosted a lot of virtual events and we have a, a live game show here at pod 617 called Zuma Palooza, which is fun and people hire us. And sometimes we, I donate the time to nonprofit. So if you ever want a live game show, this is on the house for Bailey's team for autism. We can talk afterwards or right, you just said that on the microphone. I, I might have to hold you to that. I, I did. Wait, wait, wait a minute. No, beep, no, 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 no. It's good. It's good. It's good. I was looking to beat myself up. No, no, because I think you got, you have to get creative and people are zoomed out. And, yeah. but with a little creativity, you can do it. We, we try to mix things up and do games and stuff and sort of fun interviews and some comedy mixed in and anything we could do to get through it. I mean, don't, don't you think there is a light at the end of the tunnel though? I really hope so. I'll be honest with you. I've learned a lot in this virtual reality we're in. Yeah. And we recently had a virtual event. And to be honest with you, I think we might have done better with it virtually than in person because it was, we used to show artwork by only artists with autism. And on our, at our wine tasting, we used to sort of meld those two ideas together. And this year before COVID came, we had planned an art show that was going to be in Norwood at the Four Points Hotel. And we were going to send out these invitations and it was going to be a Thursday night. And we ended up pulling the plug and did it. We found a great platform online and did it virtually. And I think more people saw the artwork only because it was virtual. Yeah. And we, this was a fundraiser. However, we marketed this event, truth be told, we gave the artists half of everything they sold. Mm. So after paying out a few grand to the artists, we still raised about $7,000. And we do, we do well at our different events, but we're not a celebrity group. I used to say we were like the Flutie Foundation without the fabulous football player. Mm -hmm. And we, we do our best. We, our golf tournament raises typically in excess of 30,000. Our wine tasting does 12 to 15. Quite frankly, it should be a little higher, but it's a fabulous party and it's a feel good night. And people really like to get together to support others. Mm -hmm. So our run as well. So back to sort of your other question, the pandemic has killed us that way. And with the year ahead of us, I'm not sure what events we're, we're, we're taking them one at a time. I just canceled our run and we're considering doing it virtually. And in May, we have to figure that out after the first of the year. We'll see what the rules are. And with the vaccine possibly coming down the pike, who knows? Yeah, it, it just, it seems like a matter of time. I mean, the, with the news with the vaccine, I, I just, I think there's no other way to interpret it as it's a good thing. It's just, there's still tons of questions as to when things can go back to normal. And I know here in mass, Governor Baker has, if anything, gotten more strict and just trying to fend off the numbers are still terrible for people that have, that have contracted COVID. But it's, it's just nice to see that at least this time next year, I hope, I mean, if, if hopefully a lot sooner than that, but so Tell me awareness is, is a big part of, of what you do. Tell me what you hope everybody would know about autism that maybe most people don't. Well, you've heard the cliche, you meet one person with autism, you've met one, one person, person with autism. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. However, there is still, it sounds like our boys are, are very, or our young men are, yeah. are very similar. There are a lot of repeated traits among 
different autistic cohorts. One of the most important things to me is that people who are different, especially when we were kids, were feared. Mm-hmm. And because we don't know what to do with them, so to speak, and that's kind of a lousy way to say that, but they need to be valued like everybody else. And they have so much to offer. There are so many gifts just because it's not all about Rain Man. I think that, and for those of you who are too young to know what that means, it's oh, a God. movie with Dustin Hoffman and that character was a savant and most people with autism are not savants, mm-hmm. but they still have very special gifts and they learn differently. And there's a whole movement, which I'm sort of knee deep in right now doing some research about it. There's a what they're calling a medical model versus a social model. And I think they're equally important in the way I understand it and I've only recently been educated, the medical model in some people's minds is a more negative model. And I do not agree with that. The medical model is based on deficits. For instance, when you diagnose somebody, it's usually because there are issues of things they're not doing. So that's what is considered a deficit. The social model, some people feel is just, we have to meet these people where they are in the community to help them. And that is true too, but there are the Baileys of the world or, and I don't want to speak about Adrian, Adrian, yes? Yeah, Adrian, you but Like for instance, even a Doug Flutie Jr. who I'm sure has so much to offer the world and he's a wonderful young man. I met him years and years ago, but he's very impaired by his autism. Yeah, he's, his he's, he's nonverbal. And for the, right. And right. I mean, for right. those that don't know, it is indeed, as described, a spectrum And and at one end of the spec, I don't want to make presumptions about Doug Flutie Jr., who I haven't met, but, but he needs a lot of help. He, he, He he's nonverbal. And then at the other end of the spectrum, you have the Asperger's kids who there's been a lot of awareness. So most people know what Asperger's is, but, and and you would, you and I can probably diagnose it from across a a crowded room. You can tell it's just that they struggle with eye contact, They but, and, and sort of in heartbreaking fashion, they struggle making friendships because right. they, they have trouble interpreting the way people are, are expressing emotions to them. But yeah, so my, and, and, but keep telling me yeah, about the common traits. Cause that is interesting. So, well, the other, the other piece of the social model is that it's, it's, it's supposedly a more positive, I don't want to say initiative. It's, it's sort of a more positive way of looking at people with autism because it's about accepting them for who they are and trying to trying to educate and change the community around them. And so there's there's room for both of those and there's room for both understandings because let's face it, now Bailey is not nonverbal. I did mistakenly call him that for many years. He's actually not conversational. So that it's very hard to have a conversation with him. He has a lot of language. Obviously our family can converse with him, but you wouldn't, and maybe even you could because you have experience with your own son. Yep. But most people out there would say hi, Bailey, and he's just learning to knee-jerk reaction, say hi back. Yep. Or he might say, hi, my name is Bailey, but he's 21 and he just started doing that. Yep. But as far as these two models go, I think it's important to understand that with the more inflicted people that really have challenges either with language or with safety, if you will, you can't just meet them where they are. You have to keep them safe. Mm-hmm. So I think both models are really important. As far as the awareness piece of it goes, I think we're living in an age where it's so much better than it was 10 years ago, but I still unfortunately think we have a long way to go. There are still people in the community, as we all know, that don't mean harm, but the, their ignorance can be very harmful for everybody. And But then again, there's another whole population, not just Aspies, as we call them sometimes, mm. but people with autism that don't want to be changed, don't want to be helped, 
don't want to be cured. Cured is becoming a dirty word almost, but they just want to be able to continue on their path. And I have found it, it, it becomes difficult to see that if you parent a more impacted person. But we have to learn, just like other people have to learn, that that's just for them, it might just be a learning style. Mm-hmm. Where for us, it's a bigger picture. Yeah, they they think differently. And, and that's why you mentioned the puzzle pieces, which is a common representation of the autism mind and the autism struggle. And that's that the all the puzzle pieces are there. It's just theirs are put together in a different way than ours are. And, and right. can you arrange the puzzle pieces to bring great things out of them? I have a, a theory that I've talked about before. And it has to do with evolution, and the, the the idea that autism, the idea that autism is is the the rise in autism. Because I got to be careful we don't make this podcast like three hours long because I could talk forever about this. But I think you'll find it interesting, Sammy. I do want to hear your your thoughts on it. There there has been a spike in the cases of autism, and it's not because of vaccines, and it's not. But but there. A lot of it was historical underdiagnosis. We didn't know what to call these kids. Now we do, so the numbers are larger. But the smartest people I talk to say there still has been an uptick, even if you take that into account. So the question is why? And the answer is we don't know. We just don't know. It's not vaccines. It's not anything you you can put your finger on. There's no DNA test. There's no chromosome missing. There's nothing like that. So the 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 if you get really weird with this, you think, well, could it be evolution? And the first thing would be, well, why would we evolve to become autistic when people with autism have trouble communicating with the rest of us? And I have one possible reason, and that is that they think differently than we do. And it is possible that they are, we just talked about how Bailey and Adrian are surviving the pandemic quite nicely when other people are losing their minds. And and there's a, and and this is where I get really weird and philosophical. There's a scene in the TV show, True Detective. Were you a fan of that show on HBO? I did not see it, Uh, I must say. Well, you should see it. This won't be a spoiler, but the character that Matthew McConaughey plays is he's a nihilist, which means he, he believes at the end of the day, nothing really matters in the world, right? So he's this very weird character, but what he says is, I believe human self-awareness is a flaw of evolution. We, we, we think too much, we feel too much, we know too much. Now, we don't, as humans, we would like to say, you know what, we, I think we feel as much as we should, and of course we should feel and we should think it. But in this information age with, with, with Twitter and online bullying and all these things, and people's feelings seem to be hurt a lot easier than they used to be, right? There are, there are tragic stories of kids that have committed suicide because of a tweet or online bullying or something. And then you have a country that is that is sharply divided and calling each other names all the times. And then you have kids like Bailey and Adrian who are kind of just sitting there going, what are you people so worried about? So now, mind you, they have huge challenges in communicating with us. But maybe there's something in there that maybe they are evolving. Maybe they there's something in their brains is the future where they can see things a little bit simpler. And, and, and I am going to offer you the most incredible validation, and I can't believe you use the word evolution, yeah. because when Bailey was first diagnosed, I can't, I don't sit, and I'm embarrassed to say, I don't sit and read a lot of books. I'm like one of those old-fashioned dolls if I lay down my eyes closed or if I'm yeah. sedentary. But I will say this, I went to every lecture you could go to, and I heard a fabulous 
scientist. His name is Eric Cushane. I can't say a whole lot about him. He's from San Francisco, I believe. Mm -hmm. And he was magnificently brilliant educated. He actually had polio. So that's a big part of his identity and how he moves his body and, and his body language and everything. Mm. But he was such a brilliant mind. He talked about autism scientifically, very specific. So there wasn't a whole lot of room for his own thoughts and feelings. And at the very end, he said, okay, off the record, not for nothing. Think about evolution. He said, people with autism, they have such a different mind. It could be the next step to man, only maybe with a little misfire or a tweak, but we're on our way. Right. And it was exactly what you just said. Yeah. And you probably never even heard of that guy. No, I haven't. And, and, I, and I don't mean that in any condescending no, way at all. Yeah. But I have always carried that with me. And I think that, you know, Bailey is an amazing person. And it's funny, we don't often think, think to say it that way. I don't often hear parents say like he's a good man because he's 21 years old, often very childlike, a five-year-old, six-year-old. Um, he can read. I didn't even know when that happened. And I don't think he has a whole lot of reading comprehension, but he can read. So when you see him on maybe one of our videos, he's reading something. I can ask him to say something, he'll say it. But I know he's in there, as you said, you just can't always get him. It's not a reliable get when you need the information. Mm -hmm. And so it's just, it could be a next step. I love that you put it that way. Yeah. And no, to be clear, the idea of autism being the spike in autism being evolution is not my idea. My, my little twist on it is the one that they're just calmer and they, and at some point in the future, these minds might be better suited to grapple with all the noise that, is, that exists in the world today. And maybe, I mean, it, not, Adrian, you give him a, a nice pair of slippers and some stuffed animals and a big plate of pasta every now and again, and he's just the happiest kid in the world. So and, Yeah, you know, and I, I will say it. this, if it's okay just to include this sure. in our conversation, there is still a huge population out there who do, I mean, I felt like I was one of them for a long time, that have such challenges, their kids will escape from their house, they need special locks on their doors, they don't understand fear or safety, they don't know how to cross the street. And I even know of a woman who I've heard lecture several times who's on the spectrum. She, again, is a brilliant mind and can convey her special interest, if you will, is her autism. Mm. So she can convey a lot of information about what makes her up, but she can't make a sandwich and she can't cross the street. And there are a lot of things that we still need to work on to support these people. Absolutely true. And I'm glad you said that because I'm making it sound like there, there are these gifts, which they are. But to there be clear, yeah, my, my, our, my Adrian's mom in my life is forever going to be him and making sure that there's someone to take care of him because he can't, he can't do all the basic things. And so they need help. And so that's why we have organizations. Here comes the segue. Like... <laughs> Bailey's team. So go to baileysteam.org and learn all about Sammy and what she and her gang do and how you can support them. Do you have maybe five more minutes for me? I Sammy? have whatever you need. All whatever right. Because uh, as we do on the program, we'll recommend something good for our listeners, completely unrelated to all this heavy autism talk, which was very useful, but nevertheless, we will recommend something good in the segment we call good stuff that's coming up. But before we get there, let me take just one brief moment to remind you what we do here at pod 617, the Boston podcast network. Would you like your own podcast kids? Now's a great time to start it out because we do everything remotely. Our Westwood mass studios are open for business and very COVID friendly and sanitary and all that but most of the podcasts we produce now are done remotely we send out a quality usb mic for you hear your voice heard you can connect with your 
audience, your clientele, anyone you want, they'll be amazed when they're then they're welcomed as guests on your show. In order to get started and learn about it, go to pod617.com, the Boston Podcast Network. In pod, we trust. All right, let's play good stuff. Oh, that's the good stuff. Now, all this stuff in the in the episode so far has been good stuff, mind you. But you could call the whole thing good stuff. But both Sammy and I are going to recommend a television show because you like if you're like me, you're getting to the last screen of Netflix where you're almost done and you need new stuff. And you, Sammy actually has, is recommending something I haven't seen yet. So tell us tell us what it's called. Well, it's called Yellowstone. Mm-hmm. I think I was a little late to the game. I think it had aired. It might even be on Showtime, but we binge watched it, I believe. Oh, I should be able to tell you this, whether it was Netflix or Peacock. I can't. You're going to have to find that out on your own. No, well, it, I'll find it. Yeah. Actually, I, yeah, have, I have the trailer to it, but which, okay. yeah, actually, why don't, we, why don't I play the trailer first and Sammy and I can watch and the rest of you can listen for a little while. Here's uh, the trailer for Yellowstone. So, so far we see scenes of a forest or wilderness or some such Nothing thing. Nothing we do is for today. Ranching is the only business where the goal is to break even. Survive another season. I don't like snakes. No, I don't either. Usually there's more dialogue in these trailers. So, we're, yeah. we're, so far we see intrigue and people riding on horses and a snake, and that, of course, was the voice of Kevin Costner. And there's something mysterious going on by a fire and branding animals. And, okay, well, that didn't go as I planned, because usually there's more dialogue, but but let's see. Well, I, can do a little, okay. I can do it a little more Narration. justice. Yeah, no, please tell us. So all I know so far is it's... It, it looks like a modern day Dances with Wolves and that it's Kevin Kevin Costner on horses. But there's obviously more to it. So tell us. There's much more to it. In fact, it's really like a um, almost like an organized crime, like a godfather in a national forest or a godfather in the wilderness. Mm. It's a lot about politics, connections. It is violent. There are beautiful scenes like scenery, not about the violence, but, you know, the horizon and the horses and the large animals and all that. There is some Native American input there too, just because of whose land it was first. But it's done really well. The characters, the character development is fantastic. There are a lot of people that are fun to look at. I'll be honest with you, like any other drama. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) And for the women, Kevin Costner is aged nicely or for whomever (laughs) likes Kevin Costner. And for anybody I like Kevin likes, Costner, yes. Yeah, and whoever likes um, attractive women, there's a handful of those, too. Okay. So, a little um, something for everyone. A little something <laughs> for everyone, but it's a really intense story, and it builds and builds and builds. I highly recommend it. Cool. The Yellowstone, which is on, I'll figure out where it is in a moment while I prepare my recommendation. So, Sammy, have you heard of the new Nicole Kidman thing called The Undoing? I've no? heard of it. I don't know anything about it. Well, let's take a quick listen to the trailer of that. Hopefully there'll be more words in it. Let's see. <laughs> let's see. Nicole Kidman Project. It's on Netflix. Hugh Grant is the co-star. And here's a little bit of the trailer for The Undoing. You know what I love about this? You could never tell they were rich. It's all so classy and understated. I'll make it up to you later. Make it up to me now. Let's find a room. They must have a few. 
You're so bad. It is what rich, entitled people do when threatened. They conceal the ugly truths to protect themselves. The community is in shock tonight over the gruesome discovery of a fourth grade mother found bludgeoned to death. This story will explode. Murder is ugly business. I must warn you, whatever you've heard, it's worse than you think. Your daughter is hiding something. You think you can handle everything on your own? This is bigger than you. So that last voice you heard was the great Donald Sutherland, who is still kicking around. I don't know how old that guy must be, but he's he's old and he he hasn't aged. I mean, he's been an old man for a long time. I mean, (laughs) anyway, so this is a good show. It's it's only three episodes in, I think, has been released. They release one per week. But if you were a fan of the show, The Affair on, on HBO, you'll like this, too. It's it's as you heard from the trailer, Hugh Grant, Nicole Kidman are this wealthy married couple but there's something beneath the surface that is untold and untoward and there is a murder and we soon come to understand that maybe either Kidman or Grant was involved in some kind of way I don't want to spoil it so but it's worth uh it's worth a watch so, so far Nicole Kidman is a little bit too full of herself just the and she's had so much work done her her face should be in a museum or something but oh, anyway really? yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sounds great sounds like a great show and of yep. course she was in that big little lies i believe it was yes this and show is also reminiscent of big little lies same yeah. same kind of thing i don't know if there's like somebody who keeps turning out these kind of shows but they're entertaining i mean you you, you see all the lavish homes they live in just like in big little lies Right. And then you find out there's some nastiness below, below the surface or some crime has been committed or something. Anyway, so we're up against the clock here. But Sammy, Sammy Robertson, president of Bailey's team. I hope you had fun. I did. Thank you so much for having me. Anything else our listeners should know about how to get in touch with you? Or is the website the best um, way? I think the website, my email is also all over all of the materials. If, you know, you go to forms, you can see it there. I think it's written out on the website. And I welcome any emails coming my way. I'm pretty responsive. I do my best. So I'm happy to help. We're a resource. We also like to have fun. We have family events. Just reach out and I'm there. Very cool. Bailey'steam.org is where you go. And just remember, everybody, that people with autism need a little help sometimes. And so this would be a cool thing for you to do during the pandemic. Find out how to support Bailey's team. If you like this podcast, by the way, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Go to pod617.com. If you want your own podcast, why not? You could be the next big podcast star. On behalf of Sammy and all the good stuff at Bailey's team, my name is Dave. I'm just a guy from Boston. But if you're not from Boston, you must be the other guy. Have a great day, everybody. I am a-